Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I have to say this is going to be a delightful segment that's ahead. Dr. Greg Borgon has joined me with his grandson, Galen. And Greg taught me uh, quite quite a few years ago that what you believe is pretty important because your beliefs will shape your values, mm. and values are essential as to how we live our life and how we see our worldview and what motivates us and what What's, what causes us to take action in this life? And uh, so beliefs are important. Values are important. We're going to talk today uh, to Galen about his values and what it means to him and how he lives them out. Greg, I want to have you uh, maybe do a little recap sure. on how important this is and then introduce your grandson. Yeah. We've uh, talked about values repeatedly on your show as, as a regular guest. We've, it's, it's always at the forefront of my mind. And for listeners who may not be familiar with what we have said in the past, values are the filter through which you process all life decisions. They're the hills you're prepared to die on, the principles you intend to live by. Every decision you make is based on a value you hold, whether you can articulate it or not. If you're passive about the values you espouse or try to live out, then one day you can be making a decision that's honorable and laudable, and the next day a despicable. And it comes from the same heart because there's no congruence, there's no consistency, there's no coherence. You have to make a decision who's going to stand on the throne of authority over your beliefs and values because that's the only thing that will bring order and bring coherence, consistency, and congruence to what you believe and what you value. And for followers of Christ, it's Jesus Christ and his word. So years ago, I knew the importance of values, and I had been developing values on my own. And of course, Anybody who's a follower of Christ receives a familial set of values from the heart of God, which we call the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the values that are on the heart of God. These are the values that we receive in seed form at the moment of our conversion. So they're the family set. But God often calls us to live out of certain other values because he wants those values to mark our life. He wants us to be teaching from it, be living from it, so that we fill out this great mosaic of his redemptive plan to a fallen world. And we all have a, a part to play in this great mosaic called God's redemptive plan. And when we're missing from that redemptive plan, it's like seeing a mosaic and seeing that shard of glass that should be in place. It's not there, and it's obvious that it's not there. Well, I saw the importance of that, and so what I did is ask the Lord to give me guidance and insight as to what values I would give my grandsons. We were raising all four of our grandsons at the time, Gil and being, of course, one of them. He's the third oldest, uh, Braden, whose values are strength and honor, and Kieran is courage and valor. Lachlan, the youngest, is truth and wisdom, and I'll let Gil and talk about his own uh, values. But... For some of them, it were things that I was observing in them when they were really young. And God laid on my heart, I want you to amplify them in their lives so that they, as they grow into adulthood, they become real and they make God-honoring decisions, decisions that will honor me. 
And and one of my grandsons, the, the values I gave him, there was nothing about him that were about those values. It was values he had to grow into. And that was Kieran, who's my artistic, emotive, wonderful kid. Love him. He's not a kid anymore. He's an adult. His was courage and valor, and he had to grow into those. And now he's, to this day, he's a man of courage and valor. So at first, it was just kind of this weird way that Papa, and that's what my grandsons call me, uh, greeted them. You know, I'd say, strength and honor, Braden, and Braden say, strength and honor, Papa. I mean, even when he was little, same thing with, with Galen and with Kieran and with Lachlan. But I was always waiting, Bill, for that teachable moment when it would move from just this weird way and this kind of unique way in which Papa interacted with his grandsons to being something that they owned and they saw the import of it and they started to make it real in their life. So Galen, um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, when I gave him his values, it was because I saw in him as a child the evidences of this, of his two values. And I'll let him uh, speak to that issue. Awesome. Galen, welcome to the show. You know, your grandpa's an amazing guy. Oh, yeah. I know you know that. I know you know that. I live with him, so. Well, I mean, in the the five minutes I've met you, I'm already so unbelievably impressed by you. I can't hardly stand it. Thank you. Yeah, Really nice to have you here in the studio. A lot of base what I do off of him. So, yeah, let's talk about values. Um, My values are goodness and integrity. Um, And to me, they're really important. uh, I'll start off by saying why they're important to me. Um, everything I do, how I act, and how I make decisions are based off of them, kind of my lens, uh, so to speak. Uh, in my grandpa's ministry, Heart of a Warrior, he talks about lights. I think they're um, clergy lights or... Yeah, they're Klieg lights. Klieg lights, yes, and they're little lenses you put over that kind of change the color. Like you wanted a green light, you wanted a yellow light, you put those over, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just change how I react to situations and how I respond to my family or uh, anything, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What, uh, when did these values really start becoming real to you? Because, you know, you probably grow, had to grow into them a little bit. And yep, you, sure. you had to realize, you wake up one day and you go, wow, I own these. These are mine. Um, it was... Hey, Papa, good news. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, uh, bam, they're, they mean something to me. It was a, a super, like, it took a long, it was like a journey for me. Um, okay. What Papa was saying was... It was kind of like a, a meet and greet, goodness and integrity to get us integrity back, and that was just something cool we got to do, kind of like a, um, it's like a family tradition type of thing. Um, but over time, you know, as I, I went through high school, as I started college, they became more real and real, uh, real to me. As I started Heart of Warrior, they really became something that is a major part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a journey for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a bam. Yeah. So, so goodness and integrity. Yes, sir. All right. So help me understand what those words mean to you. Uh, integrity, doing the right thing when nobody, even when nobody's watching. Awesome. Um, I believe that's the right answer. Right, Greg? <laughs> Good son. Good job. <laughs> um, and, and goodness is being the same way you are, kind of, the, kind of the same integrity, but it's just it's showing that you are who you are by your actions. Yeah. That's what being good is. Would you say that there's a lack of goodness in the world and a lack of integrity in the world? Especially integrity, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got I to gotta share this story when, when Galen was, was younger to show you how goodness just flowed out of him. My wife took him to Cub to shopping, and he was... Oh, That's a grocery store yeah, for those yeah, who don't yeah. know what Cub is. Uh, maybe 10 or 11, maybe even a little bit younger I think than younger that. younger than that, yep. yeah. probably. Oh, yeah, you're about eight, mm-hmm. wasn't you? So anyway, they're walking through the store, and there were these two older women 
that were talking to each other and they looked distraught and and uh, just felt they just burden and, and Galen walked by them and Debbie walked by them my wife and they went around the corner and when Debbie turned around she couldn't find Galen and so she panicked and she went to the next aisle and wasn't there so she went back to the original aisle and there he is with the two women so he was in the temple teaching and he was had his, had his <laughs> hand on on the shoulder of one of the women he was just comforting them Aww. and letting them know everything was going to be all right Galen has this ability to sense discord in somebody else's life or unhappiness or discouragement and when I t- use that teachable moment is when he was very young and he was getting off the school bus that was in front of our garage and I was deep in the garage so you couldn't see me but the garage door was open and I saw him get off and he was had his arm around his friend who was crying and as I tr- moved forward to listen in he, he sat down on the curb with his friend put his arm around his shoulder and was comforting him because the kids on the bus were ridiculing his friend. And um, and so Galen was just comforting. Then he got up and walked him a block down the road to his house. And as he came in the garage, he saw me. And I said, Galen, um, I saw what you did. Mm. And I said, how does Papa greet you? And he says, goodness and integrity. And I said, how do you greet Papa back? He says, goodness and integrity. I said, son, what you did with your friend was all goodness, and it proved you a person of integrity. Mm. And so that was that teachable moment, and maybe that began the journey that you're talking about, son, yeah. about how it became real to you. It's progressively it's getting stronger and, and more real to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a moment where you were putting yourself a little bit at risk as well, comforting a friend, and the other people teasing him could have turned around and started teasing you as well. Yeah. But that didn't matter to you. No, no, because yeah. I priorities for me, I knew what, what I had to do right there, and it wasn't like a... Oh, I should. It was bam. I, I I didn't know what I was doing until I was sitting down and had my arm around him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. So, I would say you're unusual that you have been acting and thinking this way, comforting someone in a grocery store who seemed distraught. Uh, that is one of the sweetest images ever. Hmm. Um, and God has gifted you with not only goodness and integrity, but you're, you're walking that out. And I think that's not only remarkable, but it's inspiring. So I know you've got maybe advice you would give people your age, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, just in that range. What would you say to people listening? Um, everything changed for me when I figured out my purpose. And I feel like if those who don't know, understand what they're doing and, you know, have a foot in the door of the church or especially in a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I feel like once God gives you that purpose once he he lays it out once you understand um your your morals once you understand your strengths and weaknesses um it just changes everything around especially for me yeah and the funny thing about that story was they weren't crying because they were sad those women in the grocery store they were crying because they were happy and so I remember <laughs> I was like oh and so I'm like okay uh let me pray for you instead then you know oh, so fantastic <laughs> I love it Dr. Greg Borgon and his grandson Galen are here with me in studio. We're talking about values and how you live them out and how you walk them out. So when a temptation comes into your life, because you're 22 Two. years old and yes, sir. you're a big strapping kid and you've got uh, all kinds of uh, um, energy and you're ready to take on the world from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah. So when thoughts or temptations come in, it seems there are two people that can take the call the flesh takes the call or the spirit takes the call mm-hmm. how do you um, navigate that it's hard 
temptation is uh, that's why it's called temptation yeah yeah <laughs> it's, uh it, yeah it's it's otherworldly really for me um but values like we're talking about today super important and if i act out in my mind okay let's say i i'd give into this temptation is this really me living my values is this really me uh you know being Galen, the one that, you know, Papa sat down with the Lord and over and contemplated with him the values I'm supposed to have and live out. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, then it's not worth, you know, partaking in. Yeah. So you know your identity. Yeah, I do. And you've known that for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've heard it over and over and over <laughs> your whole life. Yeah. <clears throat> Come on. That's an amazing privilege, isn't it? it that that truth was spoken into you at yeah. such a young age mm-hmm. and you're reminded of it every day, even as a 22-year-old man. Yeah, it, it was, Papa was first, my grandpa, Yeah, but now he's, he's a spiritual leader for me. Yeah. You know, I, I don't just look at him as like, hey, Papa, I'm struggling with this. Hey, Papa. Now it's, hey, Papa, uh, with your wisdom, with what you've been through, with what God has gifted you, how would you, how would I respond to this situation? What, what's a greater way for me to, to act on, you know, or to respond? Yeah. And that brings to me to my next question, Galen. Um, how do you make decisions? What kind of, uh, what goes through your head as to how you make good decisions? Um, making decisions right now, uh, it, it could lead back to values, but also um, it, it leads back to my goal, which is to be a man of God, is to mm. be a warrior after God's own heart. And so um, if if what I'm doing isn't going to bring the joy to the Lord or what I'm doing doesn't show that that God or Jesus my seat has the seat of authority in my life that uh-huh. it's not worth. Then I need to find another wow, another route, another way. You know. All right, we're take a little break. When we come back. We're talking about values today and how important they are. And Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest with his grandson Galen. We'll take a short break and be right back. back to the show. So glad to have uh, Galen and Dr. Greg Borgon here. It's the uh, um, grandfather and grandson relationship. It's beautiful. Greg started at a very early age speaking truth and values into them. Galen's our our goodness and integrity, and boy, he's living them out. So, Galen, when you find yourself in a position of failure, how do you recover from failure? Um, Good question. Uh, Little story right here. Uh, I was struggling a lot with anxiety, especially on my job. Um, Tell me about your job. I work for a police department in Minneapolis, so pretty... Uh, that can't be high stress, can it? <laughs> oh, just a little bit, right? Okay. Just a tad. <laughs> um, and I was struggling with not just anxiety for the job, but also my health and stuff, and the enemy was really hitting me hard. Um, and it's just, I was scrolling through Instagram trying to get my head off, you know, what was going on, and then there's this phrase that came up and... Uh, it might be small, but it's huge to me. It says, trust God, bro. And that was just those three words. And that trust kind of, God, bro. Yeah. I love I, it. That changed, <laughs> changed my outlook on everything. It's yeah. it, why would I keep all this into my heart when I could just give it to the altar of God, give it all to God and let him handle it. And so when I do with failure, um, a lot of it has to do with a learning aspect. I understand I messed up and I'm hard. I, don't know, I have Borgon blood in me. So, you know, you're tough oh, on I, yourself. I could have done better. You oh, know? Yeah. 
but a lot of it is uh, this is the journey. You know, your your goal is to make it to that point, but God also wants you to enjoy the journey. And yeah. in the journey comes mistakes. Dylan, I see you as a as a big picture player. Yeah, you have the big picture in mind. Yeah, I can already tell that, which is amazing. Because <laughs> not a lot of twenty two year olds have that. Yeah. You know, it was for... it was interesting. Dylan came to me one time. This was maybe four years ago, and said, "Papa, we got to do devotions together again." And I was waiting for him because I only go where I'm asked, you know. And so he, we started devotions together. And then he invited his friend, Taylor. And Taylor started coming every Sunday evening with him. And we ended up, I ended up adopting him. And he asked me, Papa, would you give me values? Mm. Because he saw how important they were to Galen. So I did. And then he brought along uh, another friend, Garrett, um, and Garrett came to a point, and, and he had numbers of conversations. He ended up going through phase one of Heart of Warrior, and then he said, Papa, would you give me values? And so I gave him his values, and I was actually in Ireland when I was praying about it. I said, as soon as the Lord lets me know, son, I'll let you know. And so God laid it on my heart what they were going to be for him, and I gave them to him. He says, those are perfect. Mm. Well, anyway, last night I got a phone call, uh, or I talked, I, I called Galen to let him know a, a special thing that God had done just recently for me. And he says, you know, Papa, we've been having a conversation, Taylor and Garrett and I, and we'd like to talk to you about it. And I said, okay. So they came over. And so why don't you share a little bit, Galen, about what brought on the conversation and what the conversation was about and the decisions that you three guys made? Yeah. Uh, for a long time, me and Garrett, uh, one of uh, adopted sons, have just been thinking that we're we're at a stalemate. We're 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 slowly like cruising along in our faith when when God gives us all these options, all this time to you know to be proactive. And so, uh, as brothers in Christ, Taylor and Garrett, to me, uh, we came together and we, we said we got to change something because we have all this time when we hang out. Why not, you know, at least put some time aside to focus on strengthening our relationship with God and becoming better godly men. Um, and so it, it starts with, you know, watching how we speak, uh, spending some time in the word. We have this group chat on, uh, social media. And so we, we go on there, we send inspirational videos or quotes, or especially something to show that, uh, God needs to be the center of authority, um, and t- to take up the shield and the sword, you know, and, and, and to fight that the holy fight and the godly fight. And so we were talking about that and we call Papa because uh, he's like our, our spiritual mentor uh, and not just a mentor, but, a, you know, a grandpa to me. And so we like to, to run everything by him uh, to get his point of view because, you know, he has a lot of wisdom when it comes to this. And so we did and we, we all came together and we had a two hour conversation about it and uh, reflecting on starting this journey because it's another journey. It's I, li- I like to see my life in phases and and. When, when I get to something new, it's another phase starting. And so I, I want to call this phase two of, uh, of my journey as a, as a man of God. And so it, it was really cool to see that uh, my friends who I've been pouring all my cup out to, uh, everything I've learned from, from my grandpa, and them sponging it in and, and, and wanting to, take, you know, to act on what they sponged in and start to pour out where they can now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really cool kind of perspective change uh, and, and a, a brotherhood starter. Yeah, sure. it sounds like the band of brothers is is, uh, <laughs> is together and active yeah. and uh, supporting one another. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. And, you know, during the course of the conversation, you know, I'm fairly believing you heard me say it on your show that you only answer questions people are asking. So the temptation, Bill, especially when you love your grandson and you love your adopted uh, sons, 
and you, you, you just want to pour everything into them. And as soon as they open the door, you just want to pour it all out. But I've disciplined myself to, to listen first to what they're saying and then to only answer the questions that they're asking. And so they started asking some questions, and Taylor knew that he was going to start living a life where he had to be the man of his home. His father was absent, and he knew he had to be a better model for his brother, Devin. And Garrett brought over his brother, James, who is, what is he, how old is he? Ten. Ten years old, and was a model for Taylor about how to interact with your brother and to live a life of godliness in front of your brother. And sometimes he says you have to get in their face. And so there's this wonderful level three conversation we had. And at the end of which they said, you know, we're making a commitment, Papa, that we're going to be living from, we're going to move from shotgun to laser beam in our life. And and in essence, they were saying, will you hold us accountable? So I had this wonderful moment of prayer at the end where I said to these men, I said, do you realize how rare it is for people of your generation to come to the conclusions you have and are willing to take the risk to stand in bold relief in the midst of all of your friends who are living differently and choose to live for God? That is rare, and I honor you for that. Yeah, no kidding. Dylan, that is an amazing story, and I, I love that you are so intentional and I love the fact that what's resonated in your heart and in your head for so many years is goodness and integrity. You can't make a move in your life without those words blaring in your heart, can you? <laughs> no. no. And what an amazing blessing that is, that, that they're right there on the surface. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and we still greet, uh, all of my grandsons, we still greet each other with our values to this day, and they often initiate it. Papa or uh, Gillen will come in and he say, goodness and integrity, Papa. Or when we're on a conversation, they'll always end with their, their values. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. You, you, you taught them well, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, give yourself some credit. That, you oh, know. I can rest now? <laughs> well, well, I don't know if you can I or not. Got a lot more to go. There's right? still more coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it sounds like there's uh, an, another generation coming up, too, that are going to want your wisdom and counsel. So that's cool. So, Galen, we just have a little bit of time left. I'd love to hear more about um, what your, your desire is just to go out and make a difference in the world. Yeah. Um, legacy is a big thing. My grandpa talks about leaving a bunch of different legacies. What you want to leave is a godly legacy, and that's the sweet aroma and the nostrils of those you left behind, yeah. which I'm sure you've heard that quote. Um, <laughs> I have. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I want to leave, and that started after phase two of A Heart of Warrior. I noticed that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so if I can do that through law enforcement, um, if I can do that through the leadership role I will have in that and not just have a, a, a strong men that go out and do this job, but strong Christian men. Yeah. And so, so here's my final question. We only have 40 minutes, 40 seconds left. Who has the privileged place of authority in your life? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Didn't even hesitate. Beautiful. No, <laughs> didn't hesitate at all. Really been a delight meeting you, Galen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bill. And Greg, thank you for uh, your mentorship and leadership and your friendship as well. Yeah. It's been delightful having you both here. I would love to do this again. Yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank I you. I love you, son. Yeah, All right. You too. Beautiful. Goodness take... and integrity. <laughs> Goodness and integrity. <laughs> Goodness and integrity is about to leave the building. So uh, <laughs> have a great rest of the day. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back with lots more.
My favorite things to do in the afternoon is to study God's Word, Scripture engagement. We're going to do that, uh, continue our series in the book of Daniel with Dr. Greg Headington. We're all the way to Daniel chapter 3. Greg, welcome back to the show. Bill, great to be here. Thanks. And welcome to the fifth lesson in our study of Daniel, which takes place right around the year 586 B.C., when Daniel and his three best Jewish friends are marched 500 miles across the Arabian Desert from Jerusalem to Babylon, which is under the rule of the powerful King Nebuchadnezzar. It's one of the best-known stories in all of Scripture. But before we look at Daniel 3, let's talk about the fact that the leaders of almost every country in the world do their best to draw attention to their presidential status wherever they enter a, a great big meeting. And it's often with music. And King Nebuchadnezzar was no exception, but uh, we'll get back to music just a little bit. Some scholars think the event we look at this week in chapter 3 might have happened 20 years after the promotion of Daniel and his three buddies, which occurred in chapter 2. So King Nebuchadnezzar decides to have a 90-foot statue built. Now think about it, that's nine stories high, representing, well, we don't know exactly what it's representing because Scripture doesn't say, but it's likely that the statue is representing the primary god of Babylon, which would be Marduk. We don't know. We just don't know. But we do know that all the leading officials from throughout the empire are gathered before the statue for its dedication. Now, in a public attempt to demonstrate that the unity of the totalitarian Babylonian empire is rooted in common worship before this golden image, and there's no doubt that the occasion is nothing more than a worship service, and let's, so let's think about this. Have you noticed, and I hope you're reading the book of Daniel as we go along this, but if you read it, you'll notice that the word worship is mentioned 11 times in chapter 3. You also notice there are seven types of government officials who are specifically named, and then Daniel adds, quote, all the officials of the province. Well, today we might say everyone on the federal payroll is required to show up. It's a command performance. Because this is a worship service, it's complete with pop and music. Like we said before, like, for instance, our president plays Hail to the Chief. We know the tune. Da, 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 da. Well, Daniel gives us another list of six musical instruments and then adds, quote, and every kind of music. Ancient historians say that the ancient leaders of these, the presidents and kings and emperors, whatever they're called, also played music for their entrance. Now, the melody of this particular music has been lost ever since the Persian Empire would eventually overrun Babylon a few years later, and the Persians were not sentimental about listening to the music of the defeated Babylonians. So we're not sure, but perhaps the music was Nebuchadnezzar's theme music when he entered a room. It's kind of like a, a baseball player in the, who's on deck, and when he walks through the play, it's called his walk-up music. So if you're taking notes after all that, Roman number one, here's the plot. Getting the sense of the scene now, are you with the music and the instructions are clear? When the music begins, all the people will fall down before the image or they will die and death will happen in a moment. Those are the choices. Worship, fall down, or die. 
So the music plays. All the people bow down before the image except three Jews who have now grown into manhood. They refuse to vow because they are faithful to Yahweh and his commandment that they are not to bow before any other god, as the Ten Commandments say. Several people notice the disrespect, grab the three men, take them to the king, who is apparently not of his ceremony, I guess assuming all people would comply with his edict, and the Babylonians accuse him the three of disrespect. So these three Jewish men are thrown into a huge furnace that is kept hot by a roaring fire, and that seems to be the end of the young lads. But after a while, King Nebuchadnezzar becomes impatient, and he goes down below the ground to have a look at what's going on. He looks and makes an extraordinary comment. He says to the guard, did I not throw three men into the furnace? And yet I see a fourth man walking around unhurt, unbound, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Well, now, today we know what the king sees. It's either a Christophany, which is the physical appearance of Jesus Christ before his earthly life, or it's an angel of the Lord who protects them from the flames. So when the men are released from the furnace, this capricious king now declares that all people in the kingdom must immediately worship only the God of these three Jewish men who saved them, or they will be torn limb from limb. I mean, talk about switching sides. For the Babylonian, that should be a pretty easy choice to make. Now, that's the plot of chapter 3. That was it. Now, let's look at the central point of the lesson, which is fireproof faith. And let's consider the faith of these three Jewish men, because Roman numeral 2, a fireproof faith requires hard choices. The king's command contradicts God's command in Exodus 20, to not bow down to anything but Yahweh. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face a difficult choice because of the ultimate consequences. And in a situation like that, I can see how the three men would use a number of excuses. I mean, what would we do? Here's five possible excuses. Number one, they could say, if we die, who's going to look out for the welfare of our Jewish people and our family? We're no good to anyone if we're dead. Even if it means bowing down to this phony idol, we need to survive. Or number two, they could say, what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. Let's just try to fit in so we can stay relevant in this Babylonian culture. Or three, they could say, okay, we'll bow down, but we won't actually worship the idol. We'll just make it look like we're worshiping the idol, but we'll really worship Yahweh in our hearts. Or number four, they could say, let's worship the idol just this one time, then we'll ask for forgiveness. After all, we have a God of forgiveness. Or five, they could say, The king gave us these really sweet promotions, so I guess we owe him. So we'll bow down to the idol. What would you have done? Well, Bill, we're looking at Daniel 3 and how we have a fireproof faith. I love that. Our guest is Dr. Greg Heddington. We're continuing our study in the book of Daniel. And if you've missed any of these uh, teaching episodes, you're going to definitely want to check them out at myfaithradio.com. All right, Greg. Well, Bill, what they do, of course, is refuse to bow to a pagan god. They risked their lives because it and they did not presume to know what would happen to them. But they did know two truths that form the foundation of a fireproof faith. So, A, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. They had complete confidence in the power of God because only a fool would trust in a God who does not save. And B, God is good. Now, one of the popular philosophical arguments against the Christian worldview is that God is either all-powerful but not good, or he's good but not all-powerful. 
Have you ever heard that argument before? Mm-hmm. It's pretty typical. After all, how else can you explain why God allows evil to thrive? Of course, there is a third option, which is to believe in an all-powerful God who uses evil in order for the outcome to be ultimately for his purpose. That's what occurs in this incident. The three men had faith that even though it might mean death, they believed God would use it for his glories somehow. So here's the point to remember about these three Hebrew, Hebrew men and us. The faith these three men demonstrate is not to have a general faith in faith in order to be delivered, but to have faith in the ultimate goodness of God. Even though the three did not want to die, they did not claim that they would be rescued. Instead of presuming they would be okay, they simply said, in effect, we do not know what will happen to us. We only know that we will trust God and obey him. So here's the key point. It's not the amount of faith we have that saves us. It is the object of our faith that saves us. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego did not have a faith in faith. Their faith was not measured by the quantity of belief in the object of their faith. The Lord does not have a faithometer in which he reads like a thermometer to measure our degree of faith. He does not say to himself, oh, I'm sorry, but you just missed the cutoff. You did not quite have the degree of faith you needed when you prayed for that particular prayer. No, that's not what Scripture says. And I've heard some people try to convince an audience to believe they must not doubt in order to convince God to do what they want him to do. But the worst I've ever heard is when some misguided person says, if you only had more faith, that person would not have died. Well, that kind of faith is not so much trust in God's wisdom and power as it is confidence in the amount of faith that they have in themselves. True faith is trusting God and not trusting what we want to happen. Roman numeral three, a fireproof faith knows God is faithful to his promises. We believe the promise of Romans 8:28. For those who love God, all things work together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so how can I have a fireproof faith? Well, I hate to say it, but we cannot have a fireproof faith unless we go through the fire. Roman numeral four, a fireproof faith must be tested. Kristen Chinuth is an outstanding Tony Award actor-singer who's always been a committed believer. After her first child was born, she had three miscarriages in a row. However, it did not end her faith. During that painful time after the third miscarriage, she said, if I didn't have the downtimes, I'd never appreciate the uptimes. Now, she says that so simply. She eventually did have another child, but even that did not alter her faith in the Lord, because we have faith that the Lord will ultimately do what is best for us. Faith does not grow on its own, so God has designed the perfect process for refining our faith. The Apostle Peter describes it in 1 Peter 4.12 this way, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, insofar as you share the sufferings of Christ, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the Spirit of God rests upon you. Think of that. If we're insulted because of our faith, he is he's not stopped. If we're belittled, insulted because of our faith, the same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus when he was baptized will come upon us one of, as one of his followers. And that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Mm. Think of that. Amazing. So what do we have to have in and fear, we have nothing to fear about. And Bill, I think it might be time for a short break. I like that idea. Dr. Greg Headington is our guest. We're studying 
Daniel. We're in chapter 3, loving it. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Dr. Greg Heddington. Even when I think of that music being played, uh, when, the, when the music was going to start, you'd have to get ready to bow down and worship. <laughs> and, and they <laughs> you know, What it reminded me of was when you used to play the banjo, and you are a fine banjo player. I don't know if your listeners know that. Well, they do now, unfortunately. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump back into Daniel chapter 3, Greg. All right, Bill. Well, we're in chapter 3 of Daniel. We're talking about the three Jewish men around the year 586 B.C. who were saved by our Lord from death in a furnace of fire from the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. And our theme is, what makes a fireproof faith? The faith of these three Jewish men did not happen at random, by spontaneous combustion, as it were, at that moment. Their lives had been tested over perhaps 20 years of living in the pagan city of Babylon and yet staying true to Yahweh. The principle we learned from them is a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. Let me repeat that again. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. I'll develop this thought a little bit. A few years ago, I went through a very difficult time, and it lasted for years. And most of us have been there. There there are three periods of difficulty for all of us. Number one, what we've been through. Number two, what we're going through now. And number three, what we will go through. In other words, some of us can check all three boxes. We're going to have tough times, have had it, or are going through now. So what can we do? I mean, that's life. It's just not easy. The question is not if we have tough times, but how do we go through them? And what do we learn? Life this side of eternity can be painful, and people react differently. I think of one reaction from a comedian who said, Life is full of loneliness, misery, suffering, and unhappiness, and it's all over much too soon. (laughs) Well, that's one way to look at it. In Mm -hmm. my case, it was after those painful years were over that I could say, Lord, I know you're with me, and I have learned that you have a better plan for me in the kingdom now. I know that I had to go through those trials before I was ever ready to be as effective as you've made me. It just takes time, and patience is not my virtue. You know, if God sent down an angel to rescue us every time we had a problem, we'd never, number one, grow in faith, number two, grow in maturity, Or three, be able to meet the next challenge. It kind of reminds me of Superman. He flies down, rescues people, swoops away. Well, they never really learn anything because it seems like the next day they do the same thing. So we go through it, and we learn that that God will be with us every step of the way, and that's all we need. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith like this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
And a fireproof faith must be tested so we can be assured he is with us. One of my most unforgettable experiences in life was when I drove through a redwood forest in Northern California. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's extraordinary. The redwood tree, also known as the sequoia tree, is the largest living tree in the world. It has been known to reach 378 feet in height. That's that's 38 stories high, which mm. is almost five times taller than Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And that tree can have a base as wide as 100 feet. Now, the oldest known sequoia is over 2,000 years old. But these trees began disappearing over the last 100 years, partly because of logging, but mostly because, ironically, you won't believe this, we started putting out forest fires. All right, let me explain. God created the redwood tree to survive through fire. The tannin-rich bark is nearly fireproof, and forest fires benefit the trees in a couple of ways. First, fire burns away the competing undergrowth that allows these trees, which naturally have a shallow root system, to spread out their roots without competition. But second, and here's the amazing thing, the heat of the fire is what allows the cones of the tree to open up and release their seeds. In other words, fire guarantees the future of the redwood forest. Now, it's always been that way with God's people in a similar way. The fire that was intended to destroy the three servants of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, only served to strengthen their faith because a fourth man appeared in the fire with whom they know look like, well, let's, let's say the way Nebuchadnezzar said it, he looked like a son of the gods, and we know who that was. The fire that has been used by the enemy over the centuries to snuff out the Gospels has caused the Gospels to spread, ironically. The statistic we have is that there were as many martyrs for Christ during the 20th century alone as the previous 19 centuries combined. Our media simply does not report those deaths because they don't call them martyrs. They just call them deaths in many, many cases. Tertullian, the third century church father, once said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And he had witnessed a lot of murders of believers in the third century. Bill? We're looking at Daniel 3 and how we can have a fireproof faith. And, and Greg, you're, you're just, uh, this illustration with the redwood trees is so interesting. I didn't mm. know that the average, I think, will will last, you know, over 600 years and that I they see. are fireproof and fire helps them um, thrive. That's crazy. Yeah, burning away the undergrowth. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it really is. And uh, Now, yeah. it's unlikely that we will face death by standing up for our faith in this country in right. our lifetime. I'm just saying it's unlikely. Right. But how is our faith tested? Do we demonstrate to others by our lives that we are followers of Christ and not just churchgoers? Big difference between saying, I go to church and I'm a follower of Christ. After all, in this country, no one thinks much, but if we attend Sunday service, after all, we're a, quote, Christian nation— but they might be surprised if you do say, I'm a follower of Jesus. So are we concerned about what people will think of us if we use the J word? 
Also, do we faithfully represent the Lord in our behavior with others wherever we go? That's what really makes a difference. And one of my favorite things to say is, if you want to know what somebody really believes, there's only one way to know what they really believe. Watch their feet. Watch what they do. Watch their actions. Does their walk match their talk? Now, throughout our life, God is trying to get our attention to point us to the path where we can be most effective for his glory. Ironically, one of the ways that the Lord sometimes gets our attention is through unanswered prayers. In fact, there's a pretty good song about that by country western singer Garth Brooks. I will not sing those lyrics, but when that happens, we're not thankful until we look back on our lives and saying, Oh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you did not answer that prayer of mine, because now I see that you had a much better plan for my life. And as the Dutch philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, life can only be understood looking backward, but it must be lived forward. Let me say one more thing. Life can only be understood looking backward, but it must be lived forward. We pray for godly wisdom because we are perfectly imperfect people, and we need the amazing grace of our loving Lord, who is the God of the second and the third and the fourth and the on and on chances. There was once a little boy, and on his 14th birthday, he received a horse. And everyone in the small village said, how wonderful that the boy gets a horse. The wise men of the village said, we'll see. Two years later, the boy fell off his horse, broke his leg, and everyone said, oh, how terrible. The wise men of the village said, we'll see. A war broke out, and all the young men of the village had to go off and fight, except the boy, because his leg was still injured, and the people of the village said, how wonderful. The wise men of the village said, we'll see. Okay, you get the point. It I goes do, yeah. on and on like this. But it's the same in our own lives. We will have ecstatic times and heartbreaking moments, but we also know that our hope is based on the fact that we know who ultimately wins in the end. And we know the theme of Daniel and the theme of all the books in Scripture, and that is God is in control of everything. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I will not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. One of my all-time favorite hymns. So let's remember also the words of Peter in 1 Peter 4.12, which says, To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So at the a revelation of his glory, speaking about second coming, at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. And if you are reviled for the name of Jesus, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, that's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. How do we live a fireproof faith when it's, we're put to the test? Well, I close with these truths. First, push through the difficulty with prayer as you talk to God. And I like that word push, P-U-S-H. We can look at it as an acrostic. P, pray, U, until, 
S something H happens. Hmm. Pray until something happens and realize that God is listening. Second, even though there are mysteries that we do not understand, trust that God is good and God is working on your behalf because we know he works all things ultimately for his good. Third, speak out loud God's promises. One promise is Hebrews 13:5, which God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Fourth, in Isaiah 43, 1, God tells his people, fear not, for I am with you. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And when you walk through the fire, the flame will not consume you. Five, the Lord will fight your battles for you. In Deuteronomy 1, 29, God says to the people, do not be afraid because the Lord your God will go before you and fight. And six, praise him in all things. But my wife, Carrie, was in the midst of her worst depression. She learned to praise God. And Psalm 22, 3 says, the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. And when we praise the Lord, as someone has said, it gives the Holy Spirit elbow room to work in that situation. So in spite of all the pain and trials we go through in life, we hold fast to the words of Jesus in John 16, 33, which says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Bill, I think that's enough for today. That's awesome, Greg. Thank you again so much for being on the show and taking us through the book of Daniel. I'm loving it. I know listeners are too. Have a great rest of the day and my best to your wife, Carrie. Thanks, buddy. You bet. We'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.